Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. It's Friday the 13th, Tony. Anything bad happening in your world? Tony Kornheiser, no. It's not like I root for the Suns or anything. That's funny. No, you root for the last place Nationals even in April. Even when it's 40 degrees, you root for a last place bum of a team. I root for the Nats, and Houston is in this weekend, so we have a chance to maybe end that That's streak a beat that down. Houston has. Yes, I do think that. That's a beatdown. Yeah. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. In today's episode, the Mavericks force game seven. Three NHL teams do the same, and the Astros, who I just mentioned, have won 10 straight. But we begin today with the Philadelphia 76ers being eliminated from the playoffs at home by the Miami Heat, who led by as many as 16 points, three different times in the critical third quarter. James Harden had no points in the second half. Joel Embiid missed 17 of his 24 shots. Wilbon, what does it say about Miami, and what might it mean for Philadelphia? Well, Miami's moving on. Miami's a terrific team. Maybe the one thing I'll wind up getting right, Tony, is that in October, I picked Miami and Milwaukee to get to the conference finals. I'm halfway there. But let's go to Philly. Tone, Philly, James Harden, to me, look, in the best of times, James Harden is a terrible playoff player when his team is in a critical game facing elimination. He's dreadful, all right? Last night, he didn't even post. He didn't even, it, it appeared, Tony, he stopped trying. He wouldn't even chase a, 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 another, an opponent on defense down after a steal. He wouldn't get back. I mean, that's the kind of thing where if I owned that team and this guy wanted $270 million from me, I would say I wouldn't give him $270. I wouldn't give him uber fare. Okay, you got one guy out there playing with a broken face and a broken thumb coming off a concussion in Joel Embiid. Didn't play well, but he's out there trying. And James Harden, as far as I'm concerned, didn't try. It was disgusting. As bad as Philly was the previous game when they no-showed down there, to no-show in front of those fans, those rabid, passionate fans at home in Philly, that that was like, and it wasn't a stunner tone. It was an outrage to me. So I got this series way wrong. As you know, when that trade was made, I said James Harden would lead the 76ers into the NBA Finals. I said Harden and Embiid would be able to do that. So I wasn't just wrong, as they say. I was loud wrong. I'll get to Harden right now. I don't know who he thinks is going to give him $250 million. Maybe the Saudi Golf League. Because nobody in the NBA (laughs) is going to give him that. They're going to give him one year or two years. and, And that's really all he's going to get. He is now, let me get the number correct. He's one and eight in his last nine elimination games. He fell off the bus. This was a terrible result last night for Doc Rivers, though he apparently will have his job back. It was a terrible result last night for Daryl Morey, though he apparently will have his job back. You and I differ on Joel Embiid. I will just say this. I know he was out there trying, but he had a really bad... bad. I don't think he's the MVP, Mike, because I think the MVP at home leads his team to this win. I think the MVP at home does not shoot 7 for 24. At the moment, he's just a guy who yaps, who doesn't have any rings. And another statistic that I think is telling... Mike, this is the fourth time in the last five years that the Sixers have not gone past the second round. The other year, they didn't get past the first round, and Embiid was on all those teams. I think we look at this team now, and we see flaws. We see flaws on this team. Congratulations to Miami, but this team's flawed. Yeah. Tony, the team is terribly flawed, fatally flawed. I 
listen, there's a whole lot of people in that league, including a former teammate of his, who ain't out there injured like Joel Embiid. And let me say again, broken face. That's what your orbital bone is, all right? And a busted thumb. So I'm not going to minimize Joel Embiid if he went 0 for 24. He was out there giving it what he had. I am not about to minimize that. But James Harden, are you kidding me? With that non-effort, why would anybody sign him, you're right, a year? And that's if he comes back in shape and looks interested in playing and not forcing his way off a third team. And who knows what the hell that's going to look like in November. But for now, wow, the Sixers, man. They couldn't force a game seven, but the Mavericks could. Dallas beat Phoenix by 27 last night, with Luka Doncic putting up 33 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists, four steals. Tone, the Suns have won their three home games in this series by an average of 19 points per game. So do you have any doubt the Suns, back here in the desert, will win game seven? I have no doubt. They've won all the home games so far, and as you point out, by wide margins. I have no doubt. But I will say this, and there's always a but. If they lose this game, it's one of the great choke jobs of all time because they finished 12 games ahead. They had 12 more wins during the regular season than Dallas. They were the best team in the NBA. Phoenix was the best team in the NBA. And if they were to lose this series, it would be another terribly sad line on the playoff resume of Chris Paul because it doesn't work for him in the playoffs, and it never does. Everybody raved about him and Devin Booker with justification, but he is 3-4 and four in Game 7s, 2-2 two and two at home. And that said, I expect him to have a good game, and I expect him to win. But I will tell you this. I was wrong about this series, too. I looked at them at 2-0, and I said they were going to cruise. I'm wrong with about everything that I say. You should take me off this show. You should stuff me and put me in a museum. Luka Doncic made you wrong. And that's the, that, this is the one thing I'm surprised about you and your vision of this series. When I was a pup studying at the knee of you and Hubie Brown, who were both probably in your 60s or 70s then, one of the things I heard from Anthony Kornheiser was, listen to me, when there's a truly great player on one team, that's right. he disproportionately affects the outcome of a basketball that's right. series. Never forget that's right. that. That's right. Oh, wait. Where did I hear that from my co-host? And so yeah. you, I, Tony, the reason why I'm not as confident about game seven is you and I root for the Suns. I'm going to be in the arena on Sunday and I'm going to root for the Suns. And I, not only do I not hate Dallas, I like Dallas. And I love Luka Doncic. He's a great player and I'm not going to put it past him. I am not going to put a great game seven, a historic game seven that starts a litany of games for 12 or 15 years. I'm not going to say that's out of his yeah. reach. I don't. I think the Suns will win, but I thought the Suns were going to win last night. So what do I know? Yeah, Doncic is a great player. You can build a team around him. You don't build a team around Devin Booker. You build a team about around a ball handler. He's a great, great player. I'm thinking to myself, who, who would you rather have? I guess Anthony Tacumpo and Durant. But it, I, I don't know that there's anybody else He's on I'd that rather short have list. Yeah. than Doncic. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Are right, we short move on. List. Three of the four hockey teams that could have forced a Game 7 last night did so. Tampa Bay beat Toronto in overtime. Boston beat Carolina 5-2 in a series characterized by these lopsided home wins. And Edmonton, on the road, beat the L.A. Kings. All of these teams will do it again tomorrow. Wilbon, it's only the first round, but let's play What's the Word. Tomorrow will be a blank day for the NHL. A monopolistic day. This is the easy word for me, Tony. It wasn't that 
the games played out in a way in which the NBA just happens to have the day off tomorrow. The NBA was scheduled to have no teams play tomorrow. So the networks, ESPN, Disney, and, and Turner, they got this right. Turner. Those are the two partners showing these games. They got this right. They left this Saturday open so that the NHL could sort of show its wares with its new television partners or renewed television partners. And so now you got how many, my God, how many game sevens can you have in a day? How many times do you see this, Tony, where you have that? And by the way, you got more coming, it looks like, on Sunday. So, wow, it's a great weekend for the NHL. But tomorrow, Saturday, monopolistic. Yeah, so, I mean, my word would be heaven sent, just to back up what, what you're saying here. It's a possibility that they will have six out of eight series in the first round go to a game seven. The NBA, which is a competitive league this year, had none. They had none of the first eight series go to it. They got one for sure now, and we don't know what will happen. Game sevens are, are fabulous. They are particularly fabulous in hockey for this reason. We are no longer funneling the end of the game into a shootout. It's going to be a real goal, and they could go all night. I was happy that Tampa Bay won. I called that the other day, the only thing I've gotten right, because now they are 17-0 in the last three playoff years after losses. They win the next 17 times they in a row. They've done they it. Come that back. doesn't mean they're going to win game seven, by the way, because no. Toronto, and here's a good, uh, Toronto is now 0-8 in what is called series deciding games since 2018, so they could gag. I'm going to root for the Caps to go to a game seven. I was going to root for Pittsburgh Penguins, but Sidney no, Crosby's out. Do that. that makes it difficult. That makes you it can't difficult. Root for them. Let's take a you break. Can't root for Pittsburgh. Coming up, was the Celtics breakdown at the end of game five indicative of a larger issue? We will ask Brian Windhorst. Toronto hasn't been great since like Toad Blake. What makes anybody think they're going to win that game? I'm rooting for him, though. We're also going to ask him what he's hearing, Windhorst, about the future of the Sixers. Rooting for Toronto. Darnell Nurse gets back for Edmonton after his idiotic penalty for head buddy. Like they yeah. win that game, they go to game seven. So at least that's they get right. their best defense. Game sevens. That's a yeah, great a day tomorrow. Yes. The PTI investigative team reports that game six between the Celtics and Bucks will be played tonight in Milwaukee, which is where we find our great friend Brian Windhorst. Here's the first question for you. I assume you're actually on the court, which is exciting for me. If you're actually on the court, maybe you'll <laughs> somehow play in this game. Jason Tatum talked about a breakdown and a miscommunication on the possession that led to Drew Holiday's great block, great block at the end of game five. Do you see Boston's collapse late in that game as a one-shot deal, or are you hearing of any larger issues with that team, Brian? No, I th they've actually kind of surprised me, Tony, at their confidence level coming into this game because um, they're they – Really, you know, the, the way they finished that game would have broken some teams' spirits. In fact, over my career, I've seen a lot of game fives in 2-2 series be more competitive than the following game sixes. But I'm not getting a sense that that's going to happen here. The Celtics believe that they are the better team and should be ahead. In fact, no one said this to me, but considering they lost one game by two points and one game by three points, they might believe that they should have won this series already 4-1. So they think that they've got some strategies that do work against the Bucs. They just didn't move the ball. They didn't share the ball down the stretch of that game. And it came back to bite them. But still, any of one or two little bounces 
It's 3-2 Celtics. So I think you'll see a confident team come out here tonight. And one thing I will point out, the, the road team in this series is 3-2. and two. So home court advantage has not held that much value. So keep that in mind as we watch game six tonight. All right, Brian, is forward looking as I am to, to game, the game tonight, I am endlessly fascinated, like a lot of us are, with the Sixers and just the notion of what the hell is going to happen with them We've got Doc Rivers at play. we got, of course, James Harden at play. What are your thoughts in the sort of immediate aftermath on the future of the Sixers? Well, I thought it was interesting that Daryl Morey came out today and said that Doc Rivers will be back as the coach for next year. Now, he was answering a question that was asked to him, but that was mildly surprising to me that it was already settled. And maybe Daryl and Doc are on the same page and everything's A-OK. Maybe... Daryl is establishing a negotiating position just in case the L.A. Lakers had some interest in trying to hire him as head coach. And they're saying, hey, we're not going to fire the guy. If you want him, you're going to have to trade for him. But let's just take that at face value for the time being. Michael, they've got three choices with James Harden. And Harden, you know, has his hand on the steering wheel here. One, he could pick up the option in his contract for $47 million for next season. And play it out and say, I'll be a free agent in a year. That, I think, is not very likely to happen. Um, but if it did happen, it would open up the possibility that he could be traded. And I know that that's not what anybody says is going to happen, but the man's asked for two trades in the last two years, so I think I should just point that out. The second thing is he could opt out of his contract, become a total free agent, and negotiate a new contract with the Sixers, which is what I think the Sixers want to happen so that they can maybe talk him into taking a pay cut from that $47 million, like Chris Paul did in a similar situation last year when he opted out and took a pay cut to help out the Suns. And the third option, the option I'm sure James would prefer, and what I thought and a lot of people thought was going to happen after the trade, was he would opt into his contract and then build a four-year extension off of that, and that's how he would get to that $250, $260 million number. I got to be honest with you. I don't see many scenarios in which the Sixers give him that contract at this point, but I guess we'll see how and watch how it plays out. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. One of my favorite topics. Talked about it all week. Nets GM Sean Marks talked earlier this week. He said he wants players who want to be, and I'm quoting now, part of something bigger than themselves. Play selfless. Play team basketball. And be available, unquote. I have my interpretation of that. It's one sentence. How do you interpret that remark? Well, Sean Marks, while I respect him for his accomplishments and his team building, his credibility in speaking publicly about Kyrie Irving is kind of non-existent because he came out with real tough talk about setting a standard for the organization last fall and then completely folded at the middle of the season when he allowed Kyrie back and to do whatever he wanted. So it definitely sounded like a tone change from the organization. And I know that he is, you know, reflecting the way ownership feels. But how can I believe that it is going to be something that they stick to when push comes to shove if slash when Kyrie Irving pushes back? They've lost the benefit of the doubt with me. So they do have to negotiate a contract with Kyrie. He has an option in his contract he can pick up or opt out, and maybe they want to establish sort of a negotiating position going into that. But if you're Kyrie Irving and you look at what's happened with the Nets ever since you've got there, 
why would you think that now would be the time they would start to hold you accountable? If they do, it would be uh, an upset, in my opinion. It'd be the first time. It's not going to happen. Thank yeah. you, Brian, as <laughs> yeah. always. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it, man. Take care, guys. Let's take one last break. Still to come, how concerned should the Dodgers be about the injury to Clayton Kershaw? And will the Warriors close out the Grizzlies tonight after getting thumped in Game 5? Yeah, Kyrie, people holding Kyrie accountable. It's a small club. It's a club of, say, zero. Zero Zero at the moment. Happy time, people. Happy 30th birthday, Tyron Matthew. One of the great nicknames ever, the Honey Badger. Despite standing only 5'9", Matthew has been a great defensive back in college and the NFL. At LSU, he was first-team All-American, and he won the Chuck Bednarik Award, best defensive player in college football. Matthew was drafted by Arizona, played five years there, one in Houston, and the last three in Kansas City, where he was on the dynasty of ones, one Super Bowl victory in 2019. He's been first-team All-Pro three different times. This year, he will take his talents to Bourbon Street, and play once again in his home state of Louisiana, this time for his hometown, New Orleans Saints. If there's a, such a shortage of people in his position, and there's a shortage, why, does, why do teams keep moving him if he's that great? I don't understand this. Is he really that great? Are GMs that stupid? What's the, I mean, what's behind moving a guy who's supposed to be that terrific at that position? Doesn't make any sense to me. Not so happy anniversary, Robert Ori. Around this day, 15 years ago, while with the Spurs, Ori deliberately hip-checked Phoenix's Steve Nash into the scorer's table while Nash was dribbling up court late in Game 4 of the Western Conference semifinals. This led to Amari Stoudemire and Boris Diaw of Phoenix being suspended for leaving the bench. Many people believe that Ori's act derailed the Suns from winning the NBA championship. Ori was not a stranger to bad behavior a few years earlier, He draped a towel over the face and head of his own coach, Danny Ainge. But Ori has something almost no one else has. (laughs) A total of seven championship rings from his stints with the Rockets, the Lakers, and the Spurs. Yeah, I think only Celtics, guys who play with Bill Russell, have that. Tony, you know what? I love the Suns, and I love those Suns teams. But I also love Ori, who is just one of the engaging people and a guy who's just great company. But if the Suns get into the finals against LeBron, young LeBron's Cavaliers that year, the Suns win a championship. And the league office did not do the league any favors by letting that stand and suspending Amari Stoudemire in that game and Boris Diaw. That was wrong. It's still wrong. Happy trails to a Houston Astros opponent for the 10th straight time. The hottest team in baseball moved into first place in the American League West last night on the strength of their ninth and 10th straight wins. The Astros beat Minnesota in the resumption of a postponed game from Wednesday, then beat them again in their regularly scheduled Thursday game. The combined scores were 16 to three. During this streak, the Astros pitching staff has given up just 11 runs, has posted five shutouts and a 0-9-0 ERA. Jordan Alvarez had two homers yesterday, Jose Altuve hit one, and manager Dusty Baker said, quote, usually when you have a winning streak, you're either hitting the ball a ton or pitching a ton or both, unquote. Yeah, both. You know, people ask us all the time, Tony, doing what we do, who do you root for? And sometimes we say cities, sometimes we say teams, but mostly we root for the people we like most. I don't care about the Astros or Houston. I root for Dusty Baker. That's what I root for in baseball this season. I think a lot of people do that. 
I do. Let's yeah. go to the big finish. Let's Jim do it. Carlos Stanton had two homers as the Yankees beat your White Sox. How did that feel? Yeah, I don't care about the Yankees. The White Sox aren't what they're supposed to be. I know they're 500. They should be better. They're loaded with talent. What's up with them? The Dodgers put Clayton Kershaw on the injured list with inflammation of the joint where the spine connects to the hips. Wow. You concerned? Yes, you have to be concerned. Last year, I think it was the elbow. He's 34 years old. He's pitched a lot of innings. You wonder Ugh. if physically he's breaking down. The Tigers are 3-16 and 16 over the last 19. Okay, Mr. Midwest, defend the Midwest. I can't. Next door in Ohio, there's a team that's just as bad, the Reds. We chronicled that. The Bills and Rams open the NFL season. You care about that, don't you? Well, it's probably in their minds, you know, the preview of the Super Bowl. I like the fact they're going to televise Russell Wilson in Seattle. Last one, Grizzlies and Warriors tonight. Who you got? Tone, I got the Warriors, but I am not feeling real confident about that pick. Who you got? I got the Warriors. Oh, I got okay. the Warriors. Big, I All think. Right. We're out of time. Try and do better the next time. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mike Wilbon. Have a great weekend, knuckleheads. Check out the NBA Countdown Show at 7 Eastern, ahead of Celtics Bucks. That's going to be a great game, Six. And now, your sports center. Again, I'm wrong all the time. Stuff me and put me in a museum. <laughs>